HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back to the very last segment of our coverage of Feast Portland. It has been an amazing weekend. Um, this is Heritage Radio Network on tour. We are came all the way from Brooklyn to Portland for this fabulous occasion, and um, we're just having the time of our lives. So before we get started with um, a super all-star, crowded amazing show. Um, we want to thank our sponsors for making our coverage possible. Thank you so much to La Crusade for putting this amazing podcast lounge together. We're so grateful. Thank you to Salt and Straw for helping us get out here and for all the amazing ice cream. Thank you to Travel Portland and the Julie Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. We're so grateful. So I'm Hannah Forden and I'm sitting around a table with some really amazing people. So I think it would be easiest if we go around the table to say who we are and what we're doing here at Feast. Hello, I'm Liza Ham, and I'm Special Projects Coordinator at HRN. I'm Katie Reardon. I'm a co-founder of the Nightwood Society. Michelle Batista, co-founder of the Nightwood Society. There's an echo in here. I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler. I'm Executive Director of Heritage Radio Network. I'm Nate Collier from Lakers Excited to be here. Mike Hewitt, Recruit, Retain, Relax. Dana Cowan, host of Speaking Broadly. Here we are. This is my favorite part of the day at the end of a festival when our insane happy hour show cast outnumbers our live audience. We'd love to. <laughs> 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 oh, but the enthusiasm is rival. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, so what have we been doing here? We've um, been eating. We've been, eating. <laughs> we've been feasting. Um, it's called is, Feast for a Reason. Yeah. Um, I was saying to Dana a minute ago, she was like eating a dumpling, and I thought, oh, that looks good. I don't remember what hunger feels like, but I don't think I have it. <laughs> I, I don't have that. I don't know what that means. I know what full feels like. Yeah, um, but we uh, we do have some treats 
in front of us. So we're going to be enjoying another mega dose of salt and straw ice cream. I, I um, took a picture of all the flavors that we're going to eat, um, but we're also enjoying them out of the most like picturesque, beautiful summery Le Creuset stoneware bowls. Do you want to talk about the ice cream bowls while I look up what the flavors yeah, are? Yeah, what makes them so good for eating ice cream out of? <laughs> um, well, the little foot on the bottom is a great handle, so don't feel like it needs to sit on the table on its little pedestal. Just hold on to it. But, I mean, in reality, it's it's all about fun and whimsy here. The colors are great. Ice cream is fun. The colors of the ice cream look beautiful together. Um, so it's all about the fun aspect. Yeah. Um, so we have sea salt with caramel ribbons. We have olive oil. We have chocolate gooey brownie, my favorite. Honey lavender and strawberry coconut water sherbet, which is vegan. Uh, but you wouldn't know it to, to eat it. It's very, very rich. Um, so, yeah, we, um, we're going to eat some ice cream. We're going to talk about Feast. And um, we're going to talk to some of our incredible guests also about their work. We heard a little bit from Michelle yesterday about Nightwood Society and uh, some of the really cool work that they're doing with Burgerville. We're going to talk about that a little bit more, too. Um, who wants to start on ice cream? What do you guys want? What are you excited about? I mean, I want, I want ice cream, and I can't believe I want ice cream because it's really cold. And I think it's just, not the ice cream, it's just Portland. My feet, particularly my feet that have been in the mud for the last four hours. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for the caramel. And actually, Nate was describing the bulls, but I'm just going to go one step further because uh, it's audio and the colors are so beautiful. Like we have this sunshine yellow with a lavender purple ice cream and we have yeah. like a flame red with a chocolate brown and a white making it like a, a tan puddle together that's beautiful and then the absolute classic like white bowl and chocolate 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 and then like <clears throat> pastel central with uh, strawberry is it strawberry? Yeah. Okay. Strawberry. Right. Strawberry coconut and vanilla with this beautiful yellow bowl. So I hope you just got a sense of, oh, and there's a green bowl with lavender. The colors are so pretty. That's actually why I'm going to eat cold ice cream uh, with cold feet. You should be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of, like, psychology, too, that, like... I, I was like, oh, no, I, I can't eat it. I can't eat it. But then I looked at it, I'm like, okay, no, that, that's I'm kind of monochromatic right myself. Yeah. I'm going for the lavender honey, and then I'm looking up at Le Creuset aubergine color. Uh, set up there, and I think that's what I'm doing. Uh, oh, the lavender honey is really lovely. Should we share the good news about brunch today? We had such good brunch today. Um, we went to Gato Gato for brunch, and um, there was there was no line, guys. Uh, I don't know what you're doing, Portland. I know that um, there were a lot of there was brunch village, so hopefully you ate a lot of things there. But there are a lot of you in this city, and I don't understand why you are not all lined up at Gato Gato to eat incredible food. Uh, we had uh, the the one of everything special, um, particularly delicious with the uh, smoked uni butter toast with scrambled eggs and the um, pandan chicken and waffles special of the day were just extraordinary. Um, but we're, we're trying so to get good. hungry again so that we can go over to Vaguely Spanish. Yeah, we're going to go visit our Brooklyn friends, um, Aaron and Nick, who are from Servos. Um, we just had them on HRN Happy Hour a few weeks ago, and they got us really, really excited for Feast, um, so we can't wait to taste what they have cooking. Um, should we hear? I, I mean, I feel like we did this at the start of the festival, but I always love to hear what everyone's like best bites of the festival have been because 
we've all been trying to get as many snacks in as possible. Um, so, guys, any any standouts? Michelle? Ooh, go for it. I'm going to stay on the Gato Gato train. Yeah. Their bite at night market. Well, it was my favorite. Hands They're just down. so good. Yeah, I like the... Um, Patrick Fleming from Bokey Bowl, his wonton at the night market was amazing because it was probably the only dish that had like a nice crisp fry and salty factor to it. A lot of the other dishes were rich and a little bit creamier or gumbo-like. She doesn't like um, creamy I things. I don't do creamy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put in a good word for creamy, which is that... Um, it's chilly today, and I just went for a walk um, down to the other end of the big feast and wasn't really planning on eating anything. And then I saw at the corner of my eye, Rogue Creamery had a beer cheese soup with their cheddar, and it was the perfect sip of warm, creamy, gooey, just salty, like amazing richness. So um, that was uh, definitely like a highlight of the last 20 minutes. <laughs> Um, I'll go with two, I think, um, and one of them is sort of the circumstance. Last night at the um, smoked event, standing in a long line for um, some delicious Olympia provisions meats and watching the fire dance, and the line wasn't moving very quickly, and out of nowhere, somebody came around with a tray full of cut smoked sausage to keep the line happy, and it was just right at the right time. It was hot. It was a beautiful sausage, so love that, and then... On Friday night, um, uh, outside of the festival, we got to do a dinner at uh, Han Oak, and the, the hot pot with the hand-cut noodles was out of sight. It was so good. Well, I think the smoky chicken burrito um, saved my life yesterday at Boulard. But then again, the fried quail at Quantrell saved my life the day before, so it's a tie for me. I'm so glad you were saved. so dangerous to your life. <laughs> yeah, no, this is serious business. Do you know what I've still been thinking about? Um, I think it's way back from Thursday night. Maya Lovelace's Scrapple. Oh, uh, I really, so I haven't good. had Scrapple in ages. It was, it was very like warm and nostalgic. I thought that was the best bread I had all weekend. Yeah. Well, I, I, I had one more too. Oh, go. sorry. Go, go. Did anybody go to Melty Fest? I don't think anybody. You guys didn't go to Melty. Michael Skelfo's fried wonton with Tillamook cheddar and roe on top. I yeah I could have eaten like ten of those. I love him. He's such a great he's such a great chef um, out of Boston. Uh, so I don't know if it was the cold feet, but um, the chicken dumpling from Afuri uh, was is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, was spectacular um, here at uh, the big feast, and I think it's so hard to do great food at a in a big feast format. Um, so like hats off to them. And I feel like every single moment of every single day, I've had something extraordinary. So I like what Katie said, which is like, in the last 20 minutes, that's the most amazing thing I had. I mean, Aaron Franklin, who's here doing barbecue, like you can't really get better than that. Um, yeah, all good. Drinks at Bar Norman. You didn't ask about liquids, but I just want to say the Pet Nat um, Pet Sounds was uh, fantastic. Just a fabulous liquid, really. Just a really fabulous liquid. Yeah. And, and drinks in the future, I'm really, really looking forward to trying Dan Peterson's Mexican-style lager tonight at Vaguely Spanish, which is going to have a chili salt lime rim situation happening, um, which is really just speaking to me. Even though it's a dreary day, that, that I'll drink that anytime, any weather. Yeah. Um.
Can so we, we have. Can we talk about Burgerville? Yeah, I really <laughs> would like to hear more I was about say burgers. Um, we're eating ice cream, and it seems like a natural extension to make this like the best uh, little kid birthday party in the world is to now talk about burgers. So, ladies, take it away. Oh gosh, I'm looking at Katie, and Katie's looking at me. <laughs> okay, well, I feel like all, we talk about Burgerville a lot these days, which is a great thing because we're really excited about the work that we've been doing with them. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. Um, but, uh, I mean, Burgerville, when you live here, Katie was born and raised here. I moved here 20-something years ago. And when you live here, and especially if you're born here, it is part of the fabric of your growing up. And so it's very nostalgic. And so when you talk to people, you often hear, you know, gosh, what happened to Burgerville? I love Burgerville, but I haven't been in a long time. Or, oh, I... You know, I wonder what they're doing. Or, oh, I've gone in for that Marion Berry shake. We do all of these limited time seasonal shakes. And so when they came to us last year um, to ask, Katie and I do a lot of consulting under the Nightwood Society, which is our event space and experiential um, and creative incubator. We were like, okay, well, let's sit down and talk about values first, because that's how we start every project. And we just thought, well, it's right for the region. And we knew we could make an impact. They have 40 stores, started in 1961. And I thought, okay, there's no better regional project than something like Burgerville. And we work with a lot of little brands, and they're beautiful, and we love them. But this was a way to make a, a bigger impact to food and farm and ag um, in our state and in Washington. Yeah. I mean, as a kid growing up here, Burgerville was the place you went after every wet, soppy soccer game, which looks a lot like yeah. what we did today. Like <laughs> yeah. So it was definitely, you know, it's a cornerstone to growing up here. And one of the things that's really important to us, to Michelle's point on values, is their supply chain is predominantly only local. So to be a 40 restaurant location, have 40 restaurant locations and have a supply chain that's predominantly only Pacific Northwest, I mean, how can you, you know, how can you say no to a project like that? So been amazing and um what sort of perspective do you guys feel like you're bringing to the table with your background from creating the nightwood society which is just an amazing institution here in portland um i'm sure that burgerville as another local institution is really excited to share ideas with you so like what sort of um fresh and innovative projects are you focusing on and like what's the direction that you're trying to to take the company in mm -hmm. Well, Michelle and I both have backgrounds in product and product design. So for us, when we were brought into the project, we really started through the lens of prototyping, which was super fun because for the brand, they just really hadn't had an opportunity to evolve their menu in quite some time. So Michelle and I just really, we took our, you know, had our chef, uh, Sarah Schneider with us, who's a part of the Nightwood as well, and we started playing. And having the best ingredients from some of the most amazing suppliers enables you to make amazing things. And so it was super fun just to play with in our own kitchen and experiment with. I would say one of the things that we brought to the forefront of the project too is the story. Really, you know, Burgerville has an amazing story and legacy, again, in the Pacific Northwest. And they just, they used to tell these really funny ads when we were growing up and sort of not abandoned it, but kind of needed a reinvention. So this burger is really the gateway for that. We like to call it the Trojan horse for sort of the Burgerville 2.0 journey. Did, the, did this consultancy start as sort of a generic, like, refresh ask, or was it targeted to, like, did Burgerville come to you and say, we need a regenerative ag burger? Uh, yeah, they came to us and said exactly that, pretty much. <laughs> um, I that's was such an awesome thing to be able to respond right? to. Yeah, that's like the dream phone call. <laughs> Hi, can you help us make the world better? Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, 
it, it was funny because they actually came tonight to plan an event. Uh, I can't even remember how what the event yeah, was. It was like in, no, some May. And then we were at, we're all heavily uh, involved in politics in the state. And so then I wound up at a political event fundraiser in which two of the people that work at Burgerville were at. And then they said, wait, you're from the Nightwood. We're, I think we're planning an event with you. And then we started talking. And by the end of the night, they had so much information that they didn't know before. And they called a couple days later and said, uh, you know, we really want to commit to the region and work within a structure of regenerative agriculture and regional restoration. And we need help. Like, can you help us? I mean, that was the original ask. Yeah. And we said, yeah. And one of the, the most fun parts, to your point on the dream ask, was, you know, Michelle and I talk about all the time how the term sustainability just isn't pushing the limits far enough. And this idea of regenerative agriculture through food actually is a huge enabler for bringing people to the forefront into the conversation. And that's been really interesting because some of our purveyors and providers, right, like they are located in parts of Oregon that are really rural and very conservative. And you start to talk about climate change and carbon sequestration and all of that. It gets political fast. And this project for us was about meeting people where they are and bringing forth great tasting, amazing food and then having the conversation about why it's better product. So it's actually sort of the reverse, which has enabled us to move a bit quicker and faster, too. And, and I know that we're all talking about the burger, but I have to just talk about oh, the yeah. shakes for a and minute. The fries. Can I just talk about the shakes for a minute? <laughs> yeah. We don't have enough ice cream, cream going on. We need yeah. more. Yes. So Burgerville has five shakes on the menu that we call them 365 shakes. You know, chocolate, strawberry, vanilla, vanilla mocha perk. I'm missing one. Um, and those live on the menu all of the time. And then we have LTO, limited time offer shake. So in season, strawberry, Oregon strawberry, Oregon marionberry, hazelnut. And this year, after we started this burger project and we started pulling everything back, like, what about this? What about this? Is this local? How can we make this better? We committed to doing uh, a completely regional 365 shake menu and so we're launching new ultra local shakes next month so all of the 365 shakes are built with um, local ingredients and local project products and so even if like chocolate obviously we don't grow chocolate here um, and so we're working with Holy Cacao, which is a local um, chocolate sauce maker and we're gonna have Oregon strawberry year-round we're flash freezing the strawberries and making them into a puree. And so that's that's when things started to really get super exciting. Because it's not just a product anymore. It's the whole menu. Yep. Again, I just didn't think I could ever be hungry again. But this conversation is pushing me <laughs> over the edge. Um, since we're talking about product development, I would love to kind of turn the conversation to our friend Nate from La Creuset. We're surrounded in our studio. For those of you listening from home, you should check out our Instagram. Because you can kind of see the amazing color palette that we're surrounded by from La Creuset. So we're kind of talking about you know product development from the food side, burgers, shakes. Um, tell us about the colors we have going in here and, and what we're looking at for the, the newest season of Le Creuset products. Sure. I mean, it's it's funny. We sort of parallel a little bit the shake strategy on a longer timeline. I mean, we've got a core portfolio of colors that everybody expects and kind of reacts to. And then we've got limited, but on a longer horizon colors that might last for a few years, might last for a few months. Sometimes that's very strategically planned and sometimes not. But um, Dana, I love listening to your conversation with Tyler earlier about his process for the salt and straw flavors and 
Um, it's amazing that's all coming from his head, really, which is crazy because we, we work on it with a lot of people over a long time. But, you know, we, we take into consideration cultural trends and fashion out, way outside of food, you know, fashion, geopolitical, um, uh, what people are dealing with in their lives and how they want to react to colors and, and turn that into... Um, you know, he wasn't, he was talking about not jumping right to a flavor. And I think that's sort of, um, it's taken us a while to get there. We don't jump right to a color like, oh, blues are going to be big next year. It's like, what do we want them to feel? What do we want them to react? And it starts with a palette really of colors. And so how does that palette speak to people? And then we'll pick and choose from there, you know, what we need to represent, um, that's currently in our palette. So we've got our cerise red and soleil yellow and, um, palm green and of course white here um, and bringing new colors into that how does that change the perspective um, and then from there obviously what's possible or feasible at the factory level we're dealing with elements that have to get melted together and our blues start out pink when they get sprayed on and then they get Whoa, heated so wait. hot they turn pink yeah yeah what? yeah i mean it's it's crazy these are chemical engineers <laughs> that are doing crazy crazy things um and so there's that but we try not to start with those limitations first you know we give them a really wide brief and, and come back to, to see what they can do and the more freedom we give them, they get really excited about it. Instead of just saying, this is the exact blue match we want, um, involving everybody in that process. So um, it's really, really cool. Um, I love hearing you guys doing the hyper-local stuff. Um, and you know we can't get there, but we do have a reaction, a color for everybody or every sentiment. Um, and we pride ourselves on being able to offer everyone's favorite. Um, everyone has a favorite flavor or a favorite strawberry season or peach season that they're waiting for. And it's, it's the same with color. It's all personal reaction. As a product designer, I got to tell you, um, Le Creuset is one of my favorites. And it's, it's one of those things that I have so much of it in my home. And I use it every single day of my life. And Same. Yeah. 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 Like, it, I look at it and it makes me really happy. And so thank you for that. It's a really special thing to have. It, it, I mean, I, I love to hear that. Um, and I think it rings true a little bit to how you were saying you're approaching the regenerative farming thing. You're coming with like really good food that hits the mark first, and then you have that conversation. And so we want to deliver great product that cooks well over and over and over again consistently. And then you're talking about colors. So it's not a trend thing. It, it has to envelop everything together. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. I think it's really interesting that um, you introduce colors that don't have to have a long life, you know, because when I think of Le Creuset, I think of the classics first. Um, but then seeing the new introductions, I, I think it's such a smart marketing decision and great for people at home to have something that like resonates right now because for everybody everything in their kitchen is not forever and there's the style in their kitchen is not forever the um the home that they're in isn't forever and le creuset can be forever but it's also really interesting to me that it can be something that like is of a moment absolutely i mean of course it's um easier and cheaper to swap out your pots and pans than your whole kitchen um so we love it when people want to do that but i think Part of it, too, is just, um, you know, uh, it's approaching it from wanting to explore all those colors or a chef doing a menu because he wants to explore a certain flavor profile and not everybody's going to like it, you know, but people are going to talk about it and they're going to think of him at the forefront of things because he's pushing those boundaries. So, you know, I, I'm not necessarily charged with driving a lot of revenue. I'm doing a lot of the communications work. If people aren't buying it, but they're talking about it and it positions us as a color leader at the forefront of that conversation... 
even better. Um, luckily, they buy them and they like them too on top of that. What's the, what's the most controversial color that you've introduced in the last two years? So divisive, um, like some people love it and some are like, that is, like, why did you do that? I mean, I think probably three years ago when we came with Hibiscus Pink, which is a, a, a baby pink, which are very popular in the Asian market. I won't get too much into, but market by market, how that whole, you know, palette thing changes. But um, it, it was very controversial internally whether we were going to do that. And to the point that we didn't launch it on its own, we kind of packaged it with a bunch of other colors because people were afraid to hang their hat on it. Um, and it sold okay, but it got tons of conversation. Um, it rode that millennial pink train a little bit, which wasn't necessarily the forefront of the goal, but um, that was probably the most controversial. I, and I would say internally more so than externally. I mean, now that we're talking about colors, I will come out and say I have a mishmash of Le Creuset at home. I have red, I have white, I have green. It's all good. Quality stuff, different colors. It, it still looks good, though. Yeah, I, I do, too, and I uh, encourage people to mix and match colors all they want. Uh, well, I, I just, because we're speaking about product design, um, I also thought we should tell the story of how uh, Team HRN became, like, mega fangirls of Nightwood Society, and uh, this was, like, a, a funny thing that happened at the Fancy Food Show two Januarys ago, where um, Liza and I were walking the floor. Has anyone been to the Fancy Food Show? It's like, yeah, it's yeah. huge. It is madness. It's so overwhelming. You walk through, and there's like a zillion vendor booths, and you see a lot of people you know, and you're also just like trying to talk to everybody and see everything, and it's like totally limited. So Liza and I are like running around like crazy people through the fancy food show in San Francisco, and we see this bag. We see this bag. I'm going to hold one up. So we see somebody carrying this really cool bag. For those of you at home, it says, the future of food is female. It's like a really cool font. It's beautiful, like, um, a, you know, a canvas tote bag, right? And, uh, and it has this very suspicious uh, NWS at the bottom. Um, so Liza and Mysterious. I were like, do you see that bag? And we're like, let's get closer. Let's, let's, like, let's follow the bag. So we're like, we kind of stopped. It's creeping along. We're like walking a little faster. A little faster. We're like, what bag is that? Whose is that? And so then we're like one foot away from the bag, and Katie turns around. And there's these two like weirdos like up on her toe. You guys are creeping. We were creeping so hard, and we were completely, completely, entirely, utterly busted. (laughs) And I have to say, as as a member of HRN who was not at Fancy Food, that bag preceded both of you. Like I just met you this weekend, but when you guys got back with those bags and like the little buttons, I was like, where did you get those? Oh my God. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. So cool. So cool. And then finally meeting you and being like, oh yeah, you guys are like even cooler than the bag. Like, so suffice it to say it went well enough that we like came back to the office with bags and pins and not restraining orders. And we like played it off pretty well, but we were being so creepy, but it was such a fortuitous meeting because it turns out that like Nightwood Society is so awesome of an institution and you ladies are incredibly powerful and awesome badass examples of women supporting women and it was just like so amazing that we got to connect and I also like already felt like I've known you forever and um, anyway this was like the story of this very 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 special bag um, and how we came to be acquainted but 
Uh, it was really like meant to be all along, but we're very lucky that we have like a few of these tote bags here. Um, and uh, I, I understand that Michelle has prepared a few questions, or Michelle and Katie together. Who oh knows boy. the answers? <laughs> Do you both know the questions and the answers? Yes. So and what you, can happen? And, and since there's not a large audience, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like two people, um, HRN should answer these questions as well because We're you should have more them. tote bags in your life. Okay. It's true. Because Dana doesn't have a tote but bag. I don't have a tote bag. And, and Mike really wants bag. a tote bag. And Dana doesn't have a tote I, bag. I want, I want my eight-year-old daughter to carry that to school every day. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, also, wait, Crazy. right before the questions, speaking of daughters yeah. and uh, amazing <laughs> printed materials can you can you just like give a shout out for the shirts oh uh, i have two daughters that'll be 11 and 13 next month and they um are little entrepreneurs and they have a a t-shirt company uh called tiny feminists and tote bags and pins and buttons and things um so yeah follow them on instagram or they have a little website so uh yeah they're rad yeah they're awesome they get to be surrounded by amazing women constantly so it's it's a pretty good life. Yeah, I mean, they're like up and coming entrepreneurs, way, way smarter and more sophisticated than I am now in my <laughs> early 40s. And sometimes I listen to them, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that down. Okay, keep going. Yeah, Tiny oh, Feminist totally was actually idea. birthed at your house during the election. Oh, well, that's a whole nother. <laughs> We're not story. gonna talk about that today, though. <laughs> just, just so you know. Okay, well, like, I'm ready to okay. win. Uh, I wish we had a buzzer. Like that, I've been covering it the table. for like a year. Yeah, okay. Okay, we're going to ask. There, and this, this is, is also open to the audience. Yeah. Trivia, trivia time. The coolest tote bag ever. Um, okay, some Portland trivia. How many bridges are in Portland proper? Be right back. <laughs> no Googling allowed. Put your phones away. Any guesses? Nine. Twelve. Seven. I was gonna say twelve. You yeah. got it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Katie got it. <laughs> you could gift that to Hannah if she doesn't get the other. <laughs> we'll see who's. Wait, it's the best out of five or something. Oh, okay. You can pry this out of my cold dead hands. We have five bags. So we can keep going. You want to go? Yeah, sure. Okay, so let's do this. Let's name something that Portland has more of per capita. Anything, any guesses? What we have more Strip of clubs. Capita. That's one of them, yep. <laughs> and there's another, there's another one. chance. Ooh. What is it? Ooh. No. So that could be. But that's know. not the one on our list. Dispensaries? <laughs> no, but good call. No? No? Anymore? So we've got strip clubs. Breweries. That's Breweries. Oh, oh, two for two, friend. Do I win? Good one. Good one. Okay, here's an easy one. Wait, how do I tell my daughter that I just won that because of strip clubs? <laughs> Leave that part of the story out. Yeah. 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 The future of food is female. Right. That's all we need to know here. Just tell, you have to tell her how work. you won it. Uh, here's an easy one. This one's for the crowd. Hold up, Hannah. What Portland donut comes in a pink box? Got it. Oh my God. <laughs> my friend from the audience. What's your name? Awesome. Johnny. Congratulations, you. Nice. Johnny. Good job. Okay. One more? Good job. Sure. Katie? We can sweeten the deal on this last one, um, and also for any of our winners who are interested with a sweet, sweet HRN enamel pizza pin. Or a t-shirt. Oh. Or a really, t-shirt. Yeah. Oh, we could definitely a t-shirt. Oh, the stakes are high. Oh, yeah. That oh, is yeah. a good-looking pin. It's a good, All right. It's a good so, uh, seriously, okay. this is, yeah, this is a whole... That's a surprise. This is, this is for the win. Hannah? Babe. Marbles. 
What is Portland's oldest nickname? The Rose City. That is so close. I will give you a hint. There is a coffee the company oh. named after it. Stumptown. Now everyone gets a t-shirt because I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, you've won an HRN t-shirt of your own design. <laughs> and also, before I forget, I don't know how much time we have left, but thank you so much to Le Crusade because you guys oh, yeah. crushed it with the Nightwood this week. We had so much beautiful product for our dinners. We did have, just for the record, fun fact, more feast activations at Nightwood, more feast dinners, lunches, classes than any other venue in Portland. And how many was that, Michelle? Uh, this year we had seven on site. Wow. So four dinners, how, a lunch, and two days, classes. How many days is feast? Four days. Okay. Just and then we also fed everyone at the, v, the Chase VIP lounge at the night market. And then we had five Burgerville activations. So f- what is that? 14? So you're feeling really relaxed and chill right now is what you're saying. I'm ready for not springs. I'm ready for, I'm ready for a soak. Yeah, I think it is well-deserved. This is going to bring us to the wrap of our coverage of Feast Portland. Before we go, I need to say a gigantic thank you to probably the biggest hero of the entire broadcast all weekend, Jeet Paul. Thank you, our awesome engineer. He has been in that corner for the entire two-day duration of the big feast, making us all sound great, supporting Bon Appetit and ladies who travel, and just doing a total kick-ass job. Thank you, Jeet. You are the best. Yeah. yeah. Jeet, like, didn't get a snack break, didn't get a bathroom break, because you were like, we have to squeeze all these interviews in. And no like, food, no water. Yeah. Jeet's like, such no a trooper. Thank you so much. Yes. Killing it. Um, and giant thank you to all of our partners who made our coverage possible most especially Le Creuset thank you for helping us create this incredible studio you guys are awesome we love you pleasure's all ours this was amazing thank you thank you thank you to Travel Portland for supporting the build out of the studio for supporting HRN and our coverage thank you Salt and Straw oh my god we ate so much 